Welcome to Artist Praxis Podcast, where artists make meaning of their art making. Every week, we hear one artist's creative process, learning all about their most recent finished project. We discuss everything artists work with, from materials to thoughts, from dreams to gestures, from feelings to tools. At Artist Praxis Podcast, we stand for inclusivity and curiosity, connectivity and human warmth. Hello, we are Deborah and Sarah, creators of the Artist Praxis Podcast. In episodes 2 and 3, we interview each other as a way to introduce ourselves and our work. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, Sarah interviewed me. You can find the work we talked about on our website artistpraxis.com and on Instagram at artistpraxis and more about my work at darmolibertas.com and on Instagram at darmolibertas. We have all the links listed on our show notes. In each episode at Artist Praxis, we focus on the making of one work of art. We start our interviews by listening to the artists describing their work and end our conversations on the words play, rest, and nurture. We hope you enjoy this episode. So this is a small painting on canvas and it's uh, 8 per 11 inches. It's yellow and purple. <laughs> and um, what I really like about it, it's that it's very watery and it has the, the painting is very flowing on the canvas, right? We don't see brush strokes. We really see uh, just the painting as it is spreaded on the canvas. And um, it has these little marks on red that are done with ink. And uh, on the bottom of the painting, we have on both sides some wax uh, crayon that really shows the texture of the canvas. And on top of everything, there is a small piece of wool, of skin, <laughs> uh, sheepskin, that uh, just sits on top of the canvas on the bottom. So I feel that um, the imagery of it resembles somewhat um, territories if you're looking from above or like... Um, maps, the images of maps, that's a little bit what comes to me when I look at it, uh, that perhaps you have like a territory and some land and some water and things just, you kind of don't really know exactly when one thing ends and one thing starts, you know, uh, the, the, these different bodies, except for the sheepskin uh, that really sits on top of it. I have so many questions, but I'll start with the shapes and how they um, emerge onto the canvas surface. You say that you're not working with brush strokes, so I wonder about the process of making those shapes. Yeah, that's that's very important for me in terms of the process of creating this piece. So this piece is on a series that I've been doing since the beginning of the pandemic uh, that I called Seed Paintings. And the Seed Paintings came out of this, uh, I feel that many people went through the experience uh, of going back to nature very strongly <laughs> uh, after the pandemic started. And uh, for me, that was even stronger because it was exactly in the time that my daughter was starting to walk. 
and it was right at the beginning of the spring. So there was this combination of all these factors that we were all the time outside and I could really experience this force of growth in nature at the same time that I was observing this force of growth in my daughter. <laughs> uh, that is quite mysterious, really, how it is that we start walking and growing and how all these, you know, these things just happen by themselves. And we just have to have some sort of a facilitating environment. And I've been trying to bring that experience uh, to these seed paintings. So finding ways to do painting and create the paintings in reflection to that process. So what I did with this uh, particular part of the series now was that I put the paintings, um, the canvases outside that was um, trying to bring also this growth energy to the winter. So I did these paintings during the winter and I put the canvases outside and I buried them in snow. We had so much snow in New York this year. And this experience, right, that I, I'm saying that I started with the seed paintings in the spring was transformed so radically during the winter, but I didn't want to lose this process of creation. And I, I felt that um, this realization of the growth and this force was so important for me that I wanted to keep finding ways to have that in my work. Right. So when I buried the paintings in the, the canvases, they were not paintings yet, <laughs> the canvases in the snow, I wanted to see what would come out of that. Right. And uh, I just poured some paint on the snow. So I wanted to see how the snow, uh, the water of the snow would create these forms on the canvas. Right, and um, kind of remove myself a little bit from that. So this this canvas was uh, sitting outside in the snow for a good two weeks, and it was very interesting because I could see like the um, snow melting, and and I positioned them on the snow right outside of the window of my studio, so I could see them through the window. And sometimes it would snow and the snow would cover them completely. I couldn't see them anymore and they disappeared. And then the snow would start melting and I would start seeing them in, again. So I explored a little with just going there and pouring paint when I couldn't see them and pouring paint when I could see them. So it was a little bit like watering the seeds, <laughs> even though they didn't need water <laughs> because there was so much water with the snow already. And out of that, I could create these uh, shapes very, you know, um, there was, I, I can also, you can see, if you look very closely, you can see some of the um, shapes of the ice of the snow that the just uh, created this um, and that's a little bit of what then I tried to highlight with the red ink on it so I could uh, if someone for me uh, at first I didn't notice the shape of the ice and when I did notice I was oh that's so gorgeous <laughs> that the water created this thing there too so I highlighted some of that with the ink mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see lots of elements of chance, chance elements where you gave your artwork basically to nature for it to work with it in collaboration with you. And then I also see as aspects of more taking more control over 
what you want to highlight and responding to what happened um, outside of your control. So it's a really interesting interplay between giving up control and then working with it. And I wonder what that may have to do with the pandemic maybe or the time where the painting um, was created where we had mm, very little control over outside circumstances but also the wish to be outside and not be you know in lockdown in the house so it's an interesting I just find it interesting that you choose to be outside despite you know those restrictions that we all experienced and that you choose to work with forces outside of your control and work with them in a collaborative way like in a very relational way like engaging with those forces can you say a little bit more about that right uh i, I feel like we um i'm very interested in this this notion of how humans relate with nature and how much we are part of nature or not there is this this thing that you're talking about the pandemic and being outside. There, there is a way of being safe outside, which is right now, which is to be isolated from other human beings, but being nature. <laughs> and that, that was really what kept me grounded uh, during the pandemic. That, um, and I'm very lucky that I am in a place in upstate New York that we have a lot of space to be outside without meeting with no one. <laughs> so nature became this safe space, right, in that sense. Now, in terms of control, I feel that we... I, I lost control in so many ways during the pandemic. Like, my professional life uh, completely changed, and that was met with having my daughter uh, so small and there isn't really much control that one can have <laughs> when you have uh, a child, you know, so small. Um, for me, this was a whole experience in uh, surrendering and uh, accepting all that, that I cannot control. And I'm also very strongly someone who believes that the less control I... <laughs> we can have the less control, the better it is, you know, uh, in terms, I, I don't like the, the word control for my life and for others. I feel that uh, I'm very radical in many senses. <laughs> uh, I want freedom and I want freedom from for all and in every sense. So this, this is part of what is in here, I guess, in terms of control. But I... I did once I brought the paintings inside, and that that's maybe an added anecdote in terms of control here, because I had the paintings outside, and I live in a building that other neighbors could see what I was doing, right? And I felt uneasy with it, you know. And sometimes I would go there and like pour the painting and all, and I would be wondering, oh my God, who is seeing me doing this, you know? <laughs> and I was thinking like, oh, there. That they are probably thinking, there, there she goes again, the crazy woman. What is she doing? <laughs> and then at a certain point, the neighbor next door was having a party, and they were, uh, and their kids, you know. And uh, we are also in this part of like the control that it's. We were very like disturbed that they were having a party during the pandemic and all that, and they were going 
outside in the porch. So they were definitely seeing my paintings there. And at that point, it just felt like too much to me. And I was, and that's when I decided I need to bring the paintings in, even though maybe I would continue experimenting more. I was like, no, let me take control a little bit of the situation and let me take the paintings in. And when I brought them in, I felt that they needed more color uh, and that I wanted to use still that snow that was on top of the paintings as water that was melting inside of the studio to add more of this color. So there was this controlled way of putting more elements to it, but still using the water that was coming from the snow. Um, so it's still um, trying to invest on that process a little longer. And so <clears throat> I wonder about the piece of fur, the sheepskin that you put on top. When did that happen and why did you choose to do so? I, I've been carrying this sheepskin for a long time now and I have it hanging. It's not a big one, it's a small one. And I have it hanging on my studio wall. I just feel a lot of comfort when I look at it. And I just feel that it is one of these almost universal uses that we have as human beings of our relationship with animal. The sheepskin is something that you can find in so many cultures. And it's something that gives us some security during the winter and gives us some of this necessary protection and warmth. And um, the way that uh, the sheepskin hangs on the wall for me, and I've been looking at it for for really long, it it really is and continues to be a body in itself, you know. And I'm very interested in in the shape that it creates as being a body in itself. Um, so I've been trying to think how to bring this element of uh, embodied feeling to the the painting because. The, the painting as it was without the sheepskin because of all the water and because of how light the colors are because of this process of putting the paint without putting the paint directly, right? With so much water, everything was very fluid and I felt that it was missing this kind of uh, embodied and really physical material element. And that's what the sheepskin uh, brings, I feel, um, to the painting. Um, but the shape of it, I feel that the sheepskin always creates some sort of shape that uh, I'm very interested in, you know, the shape of a body. Yeah, definitely. I can see this body aspect in, a, in a many ways, actually, in your painting. Did you change the shape of the, of the sheepskin or did you leave it as is and put it on the canvas as it was? Well, I did cut. So, so this is a piece that I cut out of the, this uh, sheepskin. So I cut it in a very particular way. And here I have this constant reference in mind that is uh, Anna Mendieta's uh, forms, you know, her bodies. And I, I just have this constant presence really of how it is that we bring our bodies to something uh, and how it is that we position our bodies beyond perhaps actually putting my body there on earth like <laughs> Mendieta did, which was, of course, part of why uh, her work was so strong. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of uh, capture that kind of feeling a little bit with the sheepskin. So I did do like a, a shape in the sheepskin that thinks about that. Can you tell us more about that shape? Well, it is, it is just a kind of like round shape that you would think of the roundness of the body right, that 
especially mothers' bodies, that you have all this roundness. And I just wanted this sensuous kind of roundness to be part of it. And I think it relates very well with the the sheepskin because of the softness and uh, and how receiving it is. So I'm definitely working through this, you know, this strength that it is of experiencing that comes from experiencing motherhood and how we become these people who can give comfort <laughs> you know uh, i i wouldn't think of myself so much like that before becoming a mother and then i i know that i have this strength and that i can do that and i think that every human being has that and that's something that i I want to be in my artwork, that kind of power that we have of, yes, um, embodying. And embodying for me is part of that, you know, of like embracing and relating with other bodies in a way. Yeah, there is a lot of openness that I can see in your painting. Re reception, like the, the ability to receive and then to respond to in such an attuned, soft way. And then I find it interesting also to to hear you talk about the, when you decided to put the sheepskin on it. That was when you felt maybe a little too exposed, having your canvases outside, maybe losing a bit too much agency or being worried about it not feeling, not being safe, maybe the painting not being safe outside. So responding to that with taking it in and comforting it or comforting yourself maybe with that sheepskin or bringing it into the painting is really interesting at, at you know, as a response at that particular time in the process. So I find that interesting. And also the, you know, the connotation to the, the, the reference to the body. When I saw the, the, the painting for the first time, I immediately thought of the female body. And you were referring also to Anna Mendieta's work. And I wonder if there were other artists or other um, pieces that influenced your, your process um, of the making of that work. Definitely. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm always uh, recently, um, well, <laughs> I said recently and then I was thinking about the time and actually I feel like it's, it is what it is, right? I am, uh, I am a woman who comes from Latin America, but this realization and this notion of this identity, how strong it is and how important it is for me, it is very, very much informed by the influences that I, I get, uh, the impact that I, I have with uh, studying uh, other artists that come from Latin America or that came from Latin America or that uh, uh, somehow built their careers outside of Latin America and having this kind of immigrant or this experience of the, the, the hardship of understanding yourself outside of your own culture and just trying to put together these things, right? Um, so I I always go back and um, I'm always thinking about Ligia Clark in that sense because Ligia Clark, she spent time in Paris that was um, very important in, in solidifying, let's say, uh, a whole perspective of her work in conversation, of course, with what she had created while she was in Brazil. But in this kind of context that is much more international uh, in the discourse of arts. So I'm, I've been thinking for a long time about her propositions, which are these works that she created in Paris and that are works in the 70s that she was looking, like many artists at the time, looking at ways to 
do work, artwork, and uh, challenge what is art and challenge and uh, reframe and think about what is actually the artwork. So she wasn't calling her works artworks anymore. She started calling them propositions. And I've been thinking as I work about this word proposition, and there is something wrong uh, in it for me right now at this time that we are living. So I started to call my works transpositions. <laughs> and uh, all these things came very intuitively, intuitively in the sense of I was working out of my discomfort and just trying to find answers. And then once I got these words, I was like, okay, so let's actually look at what the words mean. And it was very good for me to see that uh, propositions, when we are thinking about this prefix, the pro in propositions, it is uh, to put forward, right? So it has a sense of what comes, uh, what comes before and what comes next. You are putting forward something. While transpositions, the trans, the prefix in it, uh, it means to go through, to go across. So instead of like you having steps, I feel like you're much more embedded in something, right? You're much more like in this immersed in the process. And that's what I've, uh, how I've been approaching painting uh, lately. And that's, so it's, it's kind of like I'm very much informed by Ligia Clark and I'm uh, working always with her thoughts, you know, but I'm also trying to see how that will work in my own, what I, what I can do now in terms of artworks, right? And uh, I'm very, I have this necessity of working with painting, but I also want to work with painting in the way that I can, which is not, I cannot stay in the studio many hours per day. Uh, I cannot have too many, because not only because of the pandemic and all that, but also because of my daughter, because of how my life is structured right now. So I'm finding ways to work with painting that will um answer to this notion of the transposition, um, but that will also still respond to what is a painting and how am I putting this together. And uh, which, again, sorry, but the going back to uh, Lisa Clark is very important to me because she worked so much with painting and she also challenged so much painting as a medium uh, in her work. So these things are very important to me. Can you repeat the word that you decided to call your paintings? I didn't quite catch it. Transpositions. Tran <laughs> Transpositions. Yes. <laughs> so you talked about the trans part of the word positions. Does What does that carry for you? Um, the position is really for me like the, the placing, how you place yourself and like a, how you position yourself, right? How you are like a, uh, in relation to something. Every time we are positioning ourselves, we are putting ourselves in relation to something. Uh, and that, that I know that was something very important for Clark too, because she was creating these objects that were relational objects. So they were objects that would put people in relation with each other. So the, they, they would position people in a particular way. That is fascinating. When you say that you feel embedded in the process and you position your painting as part of a continuum or a process, I can see that also reflected in, you know, you feeling embedded in nature and not seeing that division between people and nature. Um, one other question I'm, I'm curious about you were speaking about this work and then the works that happened at that time. What ha what was before? What happened before you worked on those seed paintings? Right. Uh, 
I'm choosing to call these one seed paintings because they're coming out of these uh, other seed paintings that I was telling you about in the spring, right? And those seed paintings were very different from in the sense of I was really painting and applying paint and I was really trying to work from images of the seeds and the flowers that I was seeing uh, during the spring. So I'm in this particular work that we are talking about today, I'm working on expanding on the notion of the seed and the notion of uh, how it is that um, we nurture and how it is that we um, observe that something is beginning because a, a seed somehow is a beginning, but it is part of a cycle. And uh, we tend to forget all the things that come before. <laughs> uh, so there is not never really this fixed beginning. And I wanted the I wanted to explore the continuation of uh, this notion of the seed painting in my own seed paintings. <laughs> um, so this this work comes out of uh, it is a, a series of works that perhaps if you put these seed paintings with the previous seed paintings you wouldn't say that they come uh, they are the same series right uh, and I I really like for me it's it's nice to do that because I'm I'm bothered by the notion of a body of work you know I'm bothered by this oh you have to have a body of work that is and of course uh, all the work that we are creating is creating a body of work somehow and it's also about the generosity we have with ourselves and the generosity that others have in looking at our work and uh, making connections between things right so I'm I'm just allowing myself to create very different things, perhaps with the same title, so we can see how uh, there are different cycles and there are different, you know, um, things that go on with the same theme and with the same notion. So this this kind of like relation is also something that uh, can be created by others or by myself as long as we have um, time. <laughs> and patience and a lot of generosity <laughs> to make the connections <laughs> I think that's so wonderful and so like nurturing I don't know I don't I let me think of another caring maybe thinking of words that fit that mindset and also I find it just so enriching for our art world to have that outlook onto the making process we live in a very business-driven art world and there are certain expectations maybe that we think we need to have towards ourselves or others and I think your outlook enables to see things as they are and to look at them really um, not just with open eyes but also with that loving eye like we are people and we go through cycles and everybody does you know and and we go through a life that is not always straightforward and um, and there are rhythms in life naturally through you know aging and just time and seasons and so I think it's just responding to something that is very natural and already here and um, and so important so thank you <laughs> thank you for that uh, yeah I think it's amazing we like to ground our interviews with those three words um, play rest and nurture and I would like to ask you now what what they mean to you. Right. Um, I focus a lot on play. I feel uh, ever since I had my daughter, 
I was gifted with this opportunity to play and to see how play is really everything that we got. <laughs> uh, and um, I just, I'm just really always willing to transform uh, what we are living to play. And I feel that since uh, it's been almost two years, so it's, it's not that long. Uh, Helena will be two years old soon. But since she was born, I, I see how play is so foundational and fundamental in our lives. Uh, so for me, play became everything. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a, a definition that is a non-definition was Something becomes everything. It's nothing, uh, but <laughs> but uh, that's that's how I've been. That's as far as I can go with play. Nurture for me. I just really connect nurture with food. For me, you know, food is just so important, and we are. And again, it's so much part of nature and how much we need to rely on nature. And uh, I just make that immediate connection. I, I just, I, I guess I just became very practical since I became a mother, you know. <laughs> so nurturing is giving food, is having food, is eating. <laughs> and rest, rest is something I need to learn. It's, it's, I, I need to learn it all the time. I'm, I'm very bad at resting. I just, I see that I drive myself crazy and I, I just get sad and depressed because I'm just so tired. Um, and all I need is to sleep, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I just need to sleep and then things will be good again and life will be possible again. So I I need to continue learning that and investing on that. And I know that there are so many ways of resting and we can also rest in movement, right? And I, I keep forgetting that. And sometimes lately I just ask myself, why do I drive myself so crazy? I could just rest a little. So rest could be also nurturing, I guess, yes. to, to look at the last word. Or is there anything else that comes to mind when you think of the word nurture? I'm very interested in how we nurture ourselves with culture and how there is so much in art and more than making art, looking at art, talking about art and how those things are very nurturing and how we become better and more grounded and sane and strong uh, when we have these connections, when we can talk and listen to each other. So this, this thing is, um, all this is very nurturing. And that's, I mean, that's really what I hope that the podcast will be for us and for everybody. <laughs> it will be nurturing in that sense, right? In the cultural sense and not so much on the biological you need food sense <laughs> <laughs> food for thought and food for the heart right. yeah that's wonderful yes thanks so much <laughs> thank you sarah thank you for joining us the artist praxis podcast is created by deborah fation grotsky and sarah Ariagada. original music mixing and editing by andre javi if you enjoyed the show subscribe and leave us a review that will help us reach a broader audience If you are an artist and would like to be interviewed, or if you would like more information about the podcast, please visit artistpraxis.com.